think about what a name means. Think about what a name means and how words form names and how names are given expression in words. For example, if I were to say to you the name Ebenezer Scrooge, what images would be conjured up in your mind? Would you go to that great, wonderful story by Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, and remember the flow of events in which Ebenezer Scrooge makes his incredibly famous statement, Bah humbug. Or would you visit his night of sleep in which he's visited by three apparitions and he's shown his life, his past, his present, his future. Or when you thought of Ebenezer Scrooge, did you think of how he learned and grew and became a blessing to the Cratchit family? Provided meal and care for Tiny Tim. What would that name conjure up for you first? What did it conjure up for you first? Or if I were to use the name Grinch, what would come to your mind? Grinch. I love the way that word flows off of my tongue. Grinch. Did it remind you of someone you know? No testimonies. Did it remind you of a behavior or an attitude, the Grinch who stole Christmas? And you can watch all of those on TV or even on YouTube now in this season. But if I were to say the name Zechariah, What would you think of? What would you remember? Would you remember a man, a priest, serving in a temple who was recognized by God for his piety, for his deep, resonant spirituality and his dedication and discipline to love God? Or would you remember that when the angel Gabriel visited him and said, your wife Elizabeth, who is barren, who is too old to bear a child, is going to have a baby. And would you remember Zachariah's disbelief, which caused him to be struck speechless for nine months? If I said to you this morning, and we already have, the name Mary, what comes to mind? And as Debbie read the Magnificat this morning, we are reminded of the most powerful story ever told. We're reminded on this 
third Sunday of Advent, that this wonderful song of Mary calls us to joy. The word joy is never mentioned in that passage, but is expressed, isn't it? For this is a song. It is a song to be sung in the life of Mary, in the life of those whom she touched. And the scripture tells us that Mary, earlier in the chapter of Luke chapter 1, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She goes, and as she approaches Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth comes out and says, Who am I that I should be blessed by the presence of the one who carries my Savior? Oh my. Oh my. And those words swell up in Mary's heart and life, and from her mind and heart spring forth these wonderful, wonderful words. Last Sunday, we explored Isaiah chapter 11, and we're reminded in verse 1 that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. We need to remember that that prophecy was pronounced by Isaiah 740 years before the birth of Jesus. And that until the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and until the angel of God comes to Mary, God had been silent to the people of Israel for 400 years. And God breaks God's silence with these two amazing announcements of children who will make a difference in the world and help people see and experience the light. And so it is that we come on this third Sunday of Advent to remember Mary's timeless, beautiful, joyful words that spoke of God's mindfulness of Mary. She is blessed that she has been chosen, that she has been remembered. And she really asked the question, who am I that God would do this in me and through me? That awareness of Mary's understanding that God has chosen her to do something in her and through her, that God has chosen her to be a vessel of the hope of Israel, gives rise to the joy in her heart and her life. Think about what that means to be chosen to be a vessel. Because when Mary is chosen to be a vessel, and she sings this song, she's really affirming the covenant of God to pursue the people of God relentlessly and lovingly. And she says, here is one that will be 
all of the work of God in one person and she recites the past work of God throughout the ages and she literally recalls God keeping the covenant. We've never really understood Mary's song as covenant language, but that's exactly what it is. Because God is keeping covenant when God takes someone and makes them a vessel of God's presence so that God can come and be born into the world. Mary's joy is rooted in the past and future activity of God. For what Mary says that God has done anticipates what God will do for the poor, the powerless, and the obsessed. If you go back and read verses 50 to 55, the lowly are raised and the lofty are brought down. And Mary sings of the God who brings down the mighty and exalts those of low degree, who fills the hungry and sends the rich away empty. And God's choice of Mary is evident of God's promise of justice. For in the kingdom of heaven, it is fulfilled. And Mary's joyful song rises from the eschatological hope that will be initiated in the nativity in Bethlehem and brought to completion at a future time a few months later. Mary's joy reflects her choice of faith over the obstacles that are evident. Remember her objectives, her objections? How is this to be in verse 34 of chapter 1? For I am a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will do this thing. Mary's joy reflects her faith that overcomes objections and takes a long view. Her objections are laid aside and destroyed by exercising and proclaiming the kingdom of God. This week as I worked on this sermon, I was reminded of a passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that talked about the joy of someone else. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. Jonathan New has suggested that joy can be bought And some of you probably immediately went, what in the world do you mean? But joy can be bought. It is the result of an exchange, giving up something to make space for joy, like Mary's choice. Jonathan New writes, I've been thinking the price of joy is what we must give up for joy to arise. Didn't the Israelites have to give up their doubt that God would act on their behalf? 
Didn't the shepherds have to give up their pessimism that God would never come to nobodies like them? Didn't Mary have to give up her objections to God's way of doing things, that it wasn't the right time, the right place, the right partner? Didn't those who expected a Messiah king have to accept one who arrived not with might, but as poor and vulnerable? We have our own price to pay for joy to arise. We must give up the skepticism and cynicism that helps keep us from feeling too much and too deeply, shielding us from disappointment and despair. We must offer God our deepest longing for the world's and our own renewal, opening ourselves to the possibility that God can bestow gifts beyond our expectations, and we must cast off the illusion that everything depends on us alone. I just... I probably should take a survey, but I won't. Anyone ever feel like it depends on you? It's a fairly common temptation. But giving that up for the work of God gives rise to joy. For the birth of Jesus and Christmas's greatest promise of joy is the story of a God who says, it doesn't all depend on you. I am here. I'm here. Finally, I would suggest to you that joy seeks a servant. The idea here is that joy is a choice that recognizes Mary as a beneficiary of the covenant of God. She's been chosen to be a humble servant in the living covenant of God who is pursuing relentlessly and lovingly the people of Israel and ultimately the people of the world. I would suggest to you that we can embrace Mary's song personally. Her divinely inspired joy is expressed out of the awareness that you and I are included in the ideas expressed in her song. You see, you and I are included by the ideas expressed in her song because you and I have been chosen to be vessels. Vessels of the presence of God in the present day and age to share the love of Jesus with others. I encourage you this morning to think of yourself as a chosen vessel, intentionally chosen by God for a purpose of God, and I don't care where you've been, how you've lived, what your life has been. You, like Mary, can choose by faith to be the vessel that God has designed you to be. And when we embrace that, it gives rise to joy. It was part of God's covenant with Mary, and it's part of God's covenant with you and me. So let me ask you a question. Are you willing to be a servant of joy 
Are you willing to acknowledge being a vessel of God's great purpose? Mary's story as part of the story of God reminds us that the story of God is still being written even in this present day. And you and I are part of that writing of God's story in the present day. Of all of the storylines being created in our present day, there's only one that can create eternal joy. Which one do you want to be a part of? C.S. Lewis said that joy surprises. As I was reading this passage, verse 49 jumped out at me. Mary says, he has done great things for me. And I began to think that I too could sing a song of the great things that God has done for me. And whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're joining us online, I want you to think for a moment about the great things God has done for you. I invite you, I encourage you, maybe I should even say I insist that you sit down this afternoon and just take a blank piece of paper and begin to write the great things God has done for you. As I began to recount the great things God has done for me, there was a joy that began to rise in my spirit. There was a joy that began to rise in my spirit that I wanted to give witness to and say to you, God has done great things for me. And could I be bold to say God continues to do great things for me? God has done great things for you and continues to do great things for you. But it is to be part of the covenant of God as God pursues people lovingly and relentlessly. You and I are part of the joy of God and part of that relentless loving presence. That's why things like peace-filled conversations matter to us. I want you to be the lovingly, relentlessly presence of God. I want to be that. People would love for you to bring peace into their lives. Well, that will bring joy. So I encourage you to make a list today. And if you think about it, share it with me. Or share it with someone else, better yet. God has done great things for me. God has done great things for you. Remember them, recall them, celebrate them. My prayer for each of us is that we would be vessels of God's joy that would bring blessing to others as we share in the joy of Mary 
and the God of the covenant to our families, our neighbors, our communities, where we work, where we volunteer. The joy of Advent is rooted deep in the presence and blessing of God. Let God come new to you. Remember the lighting of this candle today. The candle of joy. Did you notice it's a different color? It's pink. It is a different color so it can be set apart. Could I say to you, that the presence of God's joy rooted deep in the presence of God in you will give rise to joy in others. Amen. Let's stand together. Would you receive this benediction? Be people of joy. Let joy live in your heart and share the joy of Christ with all you meet. Share joy by seeing the good in each other. Share joy by remembering good times and hoping for good times to come. Share joy by praying for your world. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share joy. And now as you go out into God's created world, share joy and peace and hope with those you meet. Amen. Go enjoy. God bless you.